Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Hey, Kia. Hey, Karen. How's it going? Oh, it's going well today. I'm super excited. Oh, I am beyond excited for this one. You know, when I think about the words grace, elegance, survivor, perseverance, determination, oh, I, I, I think of our guest this week. In 2018, at the peak of her professional success, Krista Anderson found herself face-to-face with opposition from a lo- from what, with a lot of what small business owners face, the fight against big corporations. She watched her dream fall, and yet she persevered. Not only did she persevere with that, she is also a cancer survivor, and now she's an author. She's an entrepreneur. She has, she is the definition for me of pivotal transformation. Welcome to the podcast today, author and entrepreneur, Krista Anderson. Hey, hun. Thank you so much (laughs) for the invitation today. I'm so happy to talk with you girls. Well, girlfriend, there is so much to unpack in this podcast. Um, Let's go back to how we met. Do you remember the day we met? I certainly do. Do you remember that? (laughs) <laughs> we uh, well, we were at a dinner, yes, at, at an event, and um, it, you know those those little cheesy moments where you have to get up and and do your two second. Hi, I'm I'm Karen. I am this. I am this. I'm this. And you sit back down and you kind of hone in on okay, and then we do a little networking there. Well, Krista, little tiny Krista, stood up. And I thought, wow, she's a powerhouse. And I said, I want to get to know who she is. <clears throat> and um, I have never looked back. But it was only the beginning. Just uh, you stood up and you, you, you talked about being a cancer survivor. So take us back to um, tell us that story. And, and I think it will, I think the audience is just going to be blown away by how you have transformed your life all these years. Well, I remember that was kind of our passion connection, like our real connection was on this topic right. um, and the work that you've done, which is incredible. So yeah, I was diagnosed with stage two kidney cancer in 2007. I had my right kidney removed and went on with life feeling very invincible that cancer would never return. And lo and behold, two years later in 2009, it came back. Uh, with a vengeance, and it was diagnosed at this time stage four, um, and the doctors had given me three months to live, and it was up against my heart, this tumor kind of sitting in the middle of my chest and collapsed my my right lung, and so I ended up going through quite a journey with chemotherapy, and then uh, had most of my right lung removed also, so I'm kind of just a, a, a little bit of a walking miracle in that regard of missing h- half my organs. <laughs> but uh, it's been quite a journey, but it, it really is a testimony of uh, um, unexplainable miracle. It has to be, you know, how I survived that and, and overcame that. And it's been what, 12 years now, 13 12 years. years. And you're wow. feeling good? Yeah, I feel awesome. Good. I just got off my bike, my road bike. So I'm I'm trying to stay fit and get that little lung that's left over to work its booty off. So, well, I think that um, going through cancer, uh, you had some pivotal moments there where you really wanted to change um, from a business perspective and create a market, and you did that um, uh, with with food. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
the challenge that I faced when I was fighting the disease was I had to pack food with me everywhere I went. The reality is in in the U.S., our food system, it's it, it's a bit challenged in the fact that you don't really have access to healthy foods that you need to, for one, prevent disease to stay healthy, but when you're sick to also kind of fight the disease. And so I found myself making my food in advance. And anytime I left home, I brought it with me just in case, because I knew I couldn't rely on the hospitals where I was having treatments. Um, I would walk into a gas station and leave empty handed. And it was a final moment walking out of a gas station thinking, why is there never anything healthy here to eat? I mean, a bottle of water. And if you're lucky, maybe some almonds. (laughs) And so it was so challenging and I got frustrated by it. And that's what really inspired me to start my company. How, um, how was it at the beginning as a young entrepreneur, particularly a woman, um, making some pretty hard decisions and really you had to, I I love the part where you talk about, you just went on the internet and learned how to do this and just said, I'm going to figure this out. (laughs) I seriously did. I had no business experience. No, I mean, my college degree is in fashion. Okay. So that tells you anything. I was on a different spectrum, but I think Google is our best friend in that regard. You can really find a lot of answers there, but I also sought out people in the industry. So Um, There was a a trade show within the industry that I flew to Baltimore and got around people that knew how this industry worked. And I just pitched my idea to this um, vice president of one of the largest um, food brokerage companies in the U.S. And he said, Krista, we've tried this and it doesn't work. So my concept to him that I originally shared was putting healthy foods in a gas station under this merchandising kind of kiosk display that my company has today called Healthy on the Go. And he said, we've tried it, doesn't work, don't waste your time. And when I went back to Tennessee, back home, for two days I sat and thought about, I can't give up on this dream. It's like, it was a passion inside of me. I need to see this change happen. I need to help people. And so I sold everything I owned and kept my beat up Honda Accord and just the necessities and took all that money, which wasn't very much, um, and started the business. And it grew. Fueled by passion. That's, that's the the solution. Totally. And you were, you were really moving quite rapidly. It was growing. And I've, I've listened to, um, I've, I've not only read your story, but I, I, I called myself a self-proclaimed stalker of you. But I've listened to your podcast and and I'm so fascinated by just your perseverance. And then the world came crushing down with a phone call and a note and and someone calling you to say. Yeah. Oh, no, no. That's gut wrenching just hearing you bring it up again. It, yeah, basically I started, launched this business into six gas stations in Tennessee to test the concept. And it then began to grow and grow and grow into more gas stations, into hospitals, universities, through a distribution partnership that I had. And we I quickly grew the company from Tennessee to 12 states across the U.S., from California all the way to the East Coast. And we were really moving and shaking. And at this time, Michelle Obama had nominated my company as Catalysts for Change for America's Health. 
which was a really a great honorable moment. And I flew to DC, spoke to her organization, joined her organization for three years called Partnership for a Healthier America to help kind of raise the bar for companies across the US to kind of step it up and produce healthier products and make healthier foods more accessible. And so I was kind of at the height of my career, you know, and at this time I received a phone call from my distribution partner, one of their sales guys, and he basically told me that the partnership was over and they were no longer going to distribute the, the products. And they basically stole all of my merchandising displays and all the stores, put their sign on it, changed the the product assortment that was there to some more unhealthier items and cut me out of the equation within like three months, I lost almost 80% of my company and it was gut-wrenching. And that was after, <clears throat> excuse me, after five years of building this dream up to lose everything. This was out of nowhere? This Absolutely. The, oh my gosh. And yeah. you, yet you didn't know this was coming by any means? Not at all. It, it was, I was completely blindsided and I lost control. You know, I felt completely out of control. I couldn't save my business. I, I tried going to all the retailers to, to beg for, you know, some solution to try and continue our partnership somehow. And at this time, they all had some negative story that was told to them about my company and they were offered a better, better deal with this new program that this distribution partner had created. So it was like, they didn't want anything to do with me. And it, it was just this moment that I realized what everybody has told me <laughs> is that business is just business, but I've always failed to really operate that way because I don't think it should be just business as business where decisions are made based on greed and, you know, taking out small corporate, small companies, you know, these big guys just remove you because the reality is they knew that I couldn't afford an attorney for $200,000 to go after them. Right. So they did what they, they knew they could get away with and they went on with life and yeah, no justice. So take us to that place where you were mentally, um, when you got this news and just the, the coming months. And, and then I want to talk about your comeback, but, um, take us to that place and, and the steps that you took to rebuild yourself. To be honest, I think I did it in a way that not so many people do, but I took a time out for two years. I never imagined it would be this long, but we were filming a TV show all during this time in the South of France and some other countries nearby. And I'd fall in love with the French culture. And this moment that I had around the table with them, it changed my life where we had arrived at this chateau to start filming and they had already prepared a lunch in the garden for us. And we sat around this table eating fresh local foods, drinking you know local rosé under the sun. And we sat at this table for three or four hours. Nobody was in a hurry to get back to work. They were about enjoying the moment. And although at this time I couldn't speak French, I felt like I connected with them, even though we couldn't speak. But I understood that in their culture, they're about living in the moment and about slow living and enjoying these simple moments and not about work all the time. And at this point, I was realizing I was hitting kind of a burnout, you know, chasing after that American dream. And so 
that marked time in my heart. So it was something that stuck with me. And when I, when this started to unravel, my dream unraveling, I remembered this moment and I said, I need to go where I find the most joy and happiness. And so I literally booked a flight and picked a town in the south of France and just came and stayed for three months as long as I could without a visa. And then went back to the US for three months. And then I came back to France for three months and I did this for a year. And then I decided I'm gonna move. And then I took time to rebuild myself inside myself. Do you think that sometimes when the, when the worst thing is going on, and, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but when the worst of everything is going on, we, we as women don't want to take that time out. <clears throat> we don't want to say, okay, we need to take a minute. We need to breathe. And maybe it's not three months in France and three months in the U.S. to, to figure it out. But sometimes it's just the simple things. And I love what you're saying about the simple life. It's a place where, for me, it's a lake house where you can breathe, where you can, um, for some people, it's the city. Uh, It's just a place where you can stop for a moment, find that creative soul, that spirit, that moment of adjustment with your heart, whether it be, you know, getting closer to God, reevaluating your business. There's the place we all need to stop at some point whether you're losing your business or taking on a new challenge. And I think we miss that in society these days. Mm-hmm. I think removing yourself out of your everyday setting is usually, like for me, that's an easy refresh or restart. Mine, I go to the mountains, and for me, I'm like, my problems are so small. I'm this big compared to this mountain. So it, for me, and I mean, it's similar. I'm not going to France, although I'm like, I'm going to France next, <laughs> next time I want <laughs> to check out, but something so small like that kind of puts everything back into perspective, which sometimes is the reminder I need. And and in your case, something so small of needing to find that space around the table. And I love that story that you tell um, that is on your website at KristaAnderson.co, where you talk about living around that table and that pivotal moment. So if you want to know more, those who are listening, if you want to know more about that, go to KristaAnderson.co. It, um, you really, you're there. Your writing was so profound and you felt the change. You totally felt the change. I did. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, as you girls are talking about, it's hard to slow down, to take that time to find your balance and reflect. And, you know, I'm constantly now reevaluating my life to make sure I am where I where I'm truly happy. And each day I, I wake up and I build my dream life and I really do. And it's, it's a huge blessing that I'm able to do that. Um, but I think in the culture that I grew up in, in within the U S is we constantly go, 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 go. And we don't schedule in this time very well. We need to be disciplined with scheduling in that, that moment for yourself you know, that nothing else matters if you're not healthy and happy. That's how important it is. That's really interesting. I find personally, I get, I feel so uncomfortable when I have nothing to do, which should be the opposite. Like if there's quiet time, I'm like, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't know what to do with myself. So the people that know me know that I like to go, 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 know that I don't like to have breaks, but I'm craving a break. 
Mm. It's just I don't mm-hmm. know what to do in it. And I think, I mean, Canadian culture could be very similar in that sense or maybe my own world. <laughs> but I, I understand that busyness. And then, I don't know, I think it would be a really amazing experience to do what you did and go and just pick up and go, are you still friends with the people that were sitting at that table with you? I was wondering that when you were saying, do you still yeah, connect with them? I, yep. With the word, one couple is living here and the other one was a friend from Nashville that she was there also. So yeah. They got to experience yeah. that moment and see the transformation yeah. of Krista begin. <laughs> Well, and I had another moment at the table last night here, you know, in France that was so interesting from a cultural perspective. I just add this quickly is, you know, every time I go to a dinner party, I find it so eloquent, but I never knew why. I just thought it was just some eloquent French thing. But when you go in to sit down at the dinner table, they tell you where, you know, depending on who's hosting the party, it's different but it typically traditionally is they tell you where to sit. So you stand until someone that host tells you where, which chair you're sitting in at that table. And last night I asked, you know, why do you guys do that here? And they said, it's tradition from years ago that, you know, they used to the prominent like Kings and all this stuff. And they have dinner parties. They would put people in certain places based on how they would debate for the night and have these political debates and types of things. And the reasons that you have multiple course meals is to keep that debate going slowly. And that wine is to help open up the discussion for you to be courageous enough to speak your truth. (laughs) And I was like, I love that. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Krista, I love that. Hold please, we need to go get our wine glasses. For us, it's probably um, pomegranate martinis, lemon drops, and such, yes. Um, we, we do have very um, lively conversations after those. Uh, we completely confess. We didn't have any for breakfast this morning, so you're getting the tame no. version. The mimosas did not happen this morning. Oh, but, no. Um, <laughs> but you also have amazing French wine over there, so there you go. You know, And, and you are very disciplined you are a very disciplined person and I think people need to know that yes you are you're sitting there (laughs) shaking your head we're sitting here talking to her she's shaking her head yes you are you're a very disciplined person I watch you I, I I'm telling you I stalk you but you have recreated and reinvented yourself from fashion to business to a fail to a move to a rebirth and you're constantly recreating yourself and you are constantly trying to achieve something new I'm very curious as to now that you've taken some time and your business is going how are things going there or have they I mean I'm seeing you everywhere I, I go in now and I see your face <laughs> it's great to a gas station and I see your face you're all over the place Yeah. So I did revive myself. I didn't imagine I ever would, to be honest, I was coming up. I have another company here in Aix-en-Provence, but, uh, you know, it was, I thought I was starting something new. I was just going to let everything go. And it's crazy. I just, you know, I got a phone call one day from a big opportunity in the U S and, um, while living here. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, this business has a heartbeat (laughs) again, you know, (laughs) And so I said yes to it and started rebuilding. And then, 
you know, I recently was back in the U.S. Um, visiting all my locations and traveling around in boots on the ground. And I was like, this is exactly why I began this journey is I saw in the hospitals, we were making a difference. I saw, you know, in the universities, I saw, you know, everywhere that we were, that people were grateful that, that we were the only healthy stuff in these environments. And I realized, okay, I've got to, this is, you know, really something I have to continue building. And so yeah, the business is stronger um, than it has ever been. Um, it's incredible. I have amazing clients um, that I never imagined ever having, you know, so there's a blessing on the other side. And, you know, I think it took me longer than most people to bounce back with a business, but, you know, it's, it, it's going back to the why I think that mm -hmm. saved me. And I'll also add the fact that a friend of mine who's going through breast cancer, listening to her struggle through her treatments with, you know, them giving her chips and soda. And she was like, can you send me some of your products? And so I just felt like, oh my gosh, people are getting cancer or other heart disease, the top two, right? And, and then they also don't have access, you know, and it's like this preventative system that I'm trying to create. And, and so I have a big passion back now for that. You know, I actually um, emailed you one day. Um, I was diagnosed in 2019 with celiac and um, it I, it, I was triggered and evidently I've had it for a long time and I was dramatic. I was just drastically losing weight. Stomach was bloated. I was sick. I, I, oh, it was, I thought cancer had returned and, um, I had a phenomenal doctor at Vanderbilt, um, who, uh, who came in and he said, I have good news and I have good news and I have eh, good news. And I said, okay. He said, the good news is you don't have cancer. And I, I absolutely fell apart and he came over and he held my hand and he said, but I will tell you that you have celiac. And I said, okay, I don't even, what it, wait, flour, gluten. And he said, yeah. He said, do you eat processed foods? Do you eat a lot of processed foods? And I thought, no, I, maybe I, wow, was my eyes totally opened up. And um, uh, I had no idea about the foods here in the U.S. and the incredible amount of junk. And, I mean, mine's so severe that just seasonings I have to be careful with. And I have to look and I have to read everything. And I pack the lunches. Do I not pack peanut butter oh, sandwiches? <laughs> I go, a certain kind of peanut butter you, and then one day I walked in and there you were, your beautiful face in a gas station. And I texted you and I said, thank you. But I then had to go through all these series of tests at the hospital. And I emailed you and I said, I'm getting fed chips at this hospital. Do something. <laughs> we won't yeah. name the hospital. But I'm like, and it was a different hospital than Vanderbilt. But I, I did say, Krista, I'm there's nothing here. I'm walking in the commissary. There's nothing here. Do something. Because <laughs> at that point, there's a learning curve. And I think as women, we are so busy and so on the go, we tend to forget to really look at our bodies and really take a check. But it was at that moment, I went, wow, what you do, you need to realize the impact that you are making on lives not not just cancer survivors or or but 
just general people. And that now we know we can go to a place and find you and find your the products that you represent. And you are incredibly strict with um, the products that you market, correct? Yeah, they kind of look at me in the industry as the health Nazi because I turned down so many brands. That's interesting with even the audience because I know, and Karen pointed out, it wasn't just cancer survivors, but I'm thinking like moms and kids, like Mm -hmm. we want kids to gravitate towards those kind of foods, but instead Mm -hmm. we're pushing the chips and the candy and the bullshit garbage that (laughs) is at the gas stations. Um, so thank you for doing, I have a five-year-old, so I'm always just like, oh God, please make good decisions. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, that's the thing is as a mom, you know, you go into a gas station and all you have is candy. And I don't understand the whole thing behind just because it's a child, they have this pass to eat junk food, right? I don't know. I don't understand that. He loves green snap peas. Do you guys have snap peas here? <laughs> you <Yeah>. do. <laughs> I was like you love these perfect. They're so bad for you. And it's so good. Like he just, he likes to eat foods that aren't healthy. If you say it's healthy, do you want a vegetable? He's like, nope. But as soon as you say it's candy, he's like, oh yeah, I love these. These are the best. <laughs> I think that, I think that the, the American dream for you, um, truly transformed in to your French dream and you are living your dream right now every single day. And I love that you recreate yourself every day that you really get up every morning take a conscious make a conscious effort to think about your life and where you want to go tell me a little bit about that in your morning ritual and where that takes you yeah I just did an interview about this topic on a podcast last week because they were interested like how do you build a business from France you know that your company is across the U.S. you know And I'm like, it's actually really great because I can wake up when my body wants to in the morning because everybody in the U.S. is sleeping, (laughs) you know? Right. So I start my morning slow. Like, that's such a blessing. And then, yeah, I mean, I I start working. I take pretty much the first half of the day and work, um, catch up on emails and things like that. And then I do what I often put out on on social media is called my workday pause. I love it. Yeah, I share this because I want to inspire other people to take this pause because like we talked about earlier, I think we go through the motions so fast. We, in my experience, you know, when I was living in the U.S., I didn't take time to even sit down and enjoy my meal, like for lunch, like it was just fast or in the car. And so this moment is about two hours long for me, at least, and I go cycling um, in the countryside, I come back, I make lunch, and then I get back to work with my afternoon with meetings. Yeah, but one of the things that I do a lot of is getting together with the community that surrounds me here. This is such a big part of our joy and happiness in life is who we're spending time with. And we do a lot of dinner parties and the aperitif, um, what the French do often is kind of drinks and t- kind of appetizers before the meal. Um, we do a lot of that here. So, yeah. And I your meals like aren't long, aren't, aren't short. They are a no. process. <laughs> yeah, it's a process. Yes. But it's the the funniest thing. So I crack up about this because 99% of the time, if you, when you have a meal with anybody from the French culture, they will sit and talk about the food almost the entire meal. Really? Like, 
about the the food you're eating, where it's from, the person that cooked it, and then they'll talk about some other type of food or you know, food is a big discussion while eating food. <laughs> it's wow. really it's so interesting. Yeah. They really put an emphasis on this part of life. It, it's really cool. You are often also an author and you wrote a book several years ago called Claim Your Healing, and you sh- it talks about how you restored your body back to health. Um, I think there should be a part two book about my move to, I mean, you're an absolute movie, there, um, um, of how you moved, picked up and moved and recreated yourself and reinvented yourself. I'm very, very curious to those women who may be out there listening, or to the men for that matter, who may be out there listening and wondering, um, maybe they're in a, a difficult place. Can you share some tips, some thoughts that you have about moving forward when you've been crashed? Hmm. I would say the the number one thing is kind of this moment of reevaluating. What brings you joy? And if you don't know, I think traveling you find yourself, you know, when you go traveling anywhere, really just on that adventure, you self-reflect and think, but it's knowing like we know all too well from our journey through cancer is that you get one life. And when you kind of stare that moment in its, in the face of it, you start to look at life a little bit differently. And I think it's to me every day, I'm thinking, am I on track? to living the life that I dream every single day. And what are the things that I haven't accomplished or not so much successful accomplishments, but what are the things I want to experience in my life? And I think we don't need a lot of money to be happy. Society teaches us that we got to keep up with the Joneses, right? But the reality is the simplest part of life is, you know, what are these moments that bring you joy, you know, and it's these, like you said, your lake, you're near the lake, like that's free, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. these things. So I would say to people that are stuck is, is going back to where do you find the most happiness? What makes you come alive? You know, if it's a work situation and you're not happy in work, then look at, you can make money doing a million different things. Truly you build businesses doing so many different things and you don't need much, you know? So I guess that's always my true North because, you know, I find myself in a position right now where I'm having to decide the next move with my company. And I'm thinking to not take on more responsibility with it because I don't want to be stressed and be back in that place again. So it's about my personal happiness and maintaining that and not going for money and fame and all these things that drive us in society. So Wow, that's that in itself is such a beautiful self discovery within yourself. And, and I love the boundaries that you have set for yourself, and there's just no negotiation with that, which I love. Well, it seems. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> on, why on I'm side. single. I'm like, no, I love my life. Like, I love beautiful <laughs> life. Like, you know, if you're going to come into it, you got to have fun with me, too, you know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. There, well, there's plenty of French boys, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> can be oh, la, la, la. <laughs> uh, we, were, we were laughing before we got on this podcast about well I've seen Emily in Paris and that's how I think everyone looks and they, <laughs> they live um I I'm so 
impressed. You just seem like you're so grounded and you're just so happy. You're living life how you're supposed to. And I know we're not supposed to live a certain way, but I want to go right after this and write out everything I want. And your name is going to be at the top of the list as my inspiration. But I really want to know, and I'm curious as to what you would say if the five-year-old Chris is beside you, what would you tell her knowing everything that you have experienced in your life so far? What would you tell her? What advice would you give her as she goes and lives her youth, grows into a gorgeous, beautiful, talented woman? There's going to be some really challenging moments in your life, but it's going to be so amazing on the other side. You're not even going to fathom (laughs) how amazing your life is going to be. And I think that even is a reflection of when I was, you know, dying, you know, three months to live with cancer and sitting in that hospital bed. I never imagined being where I am today, healthy, healed, trying to change the global food system, you know? So when we are in these places, I always say to just hold on, just hold on because what's on the other side is going to be so beautiful and amazing. And And we will not even, you can't even imagine it when you're going through a hard time. So I think, yeah, talking to that little girl is, she's going to have a hard road ahead in a lot of areas of her life, but it's going to be so beautiful. And she's in control of what that life looks like. Stay grounded, stay Mm -hmm. true to yourself. Did you have a good crew and a support system through all of that in your life? Um, I did kind of but not so much. I think to be honest, that's probably why it was so easy for me to pick up and go by myself because I didn't, I don't have this strong bond with my family. I wish I had, you know, they weren't always there. Um, they really weren't there for me during cancer, to be honest. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't have a lot of that. So I've had to be very strong on my own, which is not, not so fun. (laughs) Right. So But I do want to say, uh, before we wrap up, I I know that you go through a lot of challenging things, and I know that you're rebuilding and you're having to make some decisions. But you need to know that you are an inspiration and that people watch you and they want to achieve what you've achieved. And even though you feel at times, um, you know, you kind of roll your heads like, really? But you are living a dream, and you're living the dream that we maybe sometimes secretively want because you're living your passion. You believe so strongly in something, and yet you're not willing to give up yourself to make a dollar, an extra dollar. It's more important to get on your bike. It's more important to heal thyself. It's more important to have quality learn about the food that you're sitting around the table eating and learning about enjoying life. And I am so proud of you. I still think about the day I met you and I'm still so in awe and I knew something was going to be big with you and you are amazing. And let me just say again, you are amazing. Oh my gosh. I don't think I've ever cried on an interview. (laughs) I've been such off like I can't even ask questions so I I am just blown away and I was laughing 
when you were saying it's a secret, something we secretly want. I'm like, it's not a secret. This is my <laughs> announcement to all my friends and family that I'm moving to France. <laughs> I don't need to text them. <laughs> but, oh my gosh, you're, you're doing something that I right now don't have the guts to go do. And I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. <laughs> See that lake right there? Yeah. You can stay here as long as you want to find yourself. You can stay in the basement, stay in the attic, wherever, <laughs> wherever <laughs> you want to be. You stay and you find yourself because yeah. finding that place of solitude and getting out of the pit that you're in and finding yourself is incredibly, incredibly important. And you're doing it every day. To those who want to learn more about Krista, go to KristaAnderson.co. Her book is Claim Your Healing. It's on Amazon, correct? And um, Krista, please, please come back. I want to do a podcast all about your culture and the experience and the love that you're feeling and just the everyday life of Krista. I love it. Would I you do we, that for us? I think we should just I go south it. of France, Karen. There you go. Let's just come out there. <laughs> we could do it in the Garden of the Orangery. Absolutely. That, oh, my gosh. I love that you said my culture. Your <laughs> I know. It is, right? Yeah. I am, I'm owning it now. Yes. I feel French. And definitely when I drink wine, I, I think they won't let me leave the country. The sales might go down. <laughs> There you go. Well, we're going to have a glass of wine tonight to toast you. Chris Anderson, thanks for being here. I appreciate it so much. We love you. We love you. We love you. Chris Anderson, everyone. Chris Anderson.co and claim your healing at Amazon. The Coexist Podcast is a production of Team Coexist and Untold Originals. Hosts are Karen Shane and Kia Naka. Editing by Tyler Goins. Theme song, Ready, by Chloe Caroline. Your story makes life more beautiful. Do you have a story? If so, we have a space. Visit us today at coexist.com. That's coexist, C-O-X-S-T.com, to share your story and to get involved. Also, you can follow us on all social media platforms. Thanks for joining us. Ready.